back to The Beggar's Cup, Season 2, Episode 2. I'm your host, author Nick Langan. Sadly, flying solo for this weekly episode, but we're going to make the best of it. We're going to talk about some cool stuff. Before we get started, i got to give a shout-out, of course, to Plus 5 Charisma, the forever sponsor of The Beggar's Cup. Plus 5 Charisma. Head on over to their website, plus5charisma.com. Get yourself a D&D or nerd-inspired t-shirt, sweatshirt. The Barbarian's particularly funny. Uh, the Druid, which I like to think I had a hand in helping with the design phrase. Support them and support us. Yeah, Plus 5 Charisma. I'm sorry, everyone, I don't have a hilarious planned out scenario or monologue. I'm slacking. Slacking. Um, <clears throat> so there's a bunch of different fantasy... And pop culture news going on, we're not, I'm not talking about most of the stuff that everyone else is talking about. Um, <laughs> if you missed last week's episode, we had guest host Philip Lorfink as an actor. We talked a lot about uh, why some of these legacy companies like Disney, who now own Marvel as well, um, they hate your childhood characters, they are murdering everything, out with the old, in with the new sort of deal. And replacing all of the characters, especially in something like Marvel, well, also Star Wars. Um, I could have talked about Star Wars more, but we can't talk about Star Wars without Galen here. He would be very upset. So maybe that's what we'll do next, is have a big discussion, probably a multi-episode discussion on the Star Wars prequels and sequels. And, <clears throat> yeah, I think that would be interesting. He's a big Star Wars fan, as am I. But there are two things that I want to talk about today and so the first is uh the show is one's a tv show one's a movie so we're gonna talk about arcane the tv show and i'm gonna talk about the northman which i finally had a chance to see and i think it's gonna be a good time we're gonna learn some interesting things and and i um i'm gonna spoiler alert right off the bat i loved both of these things i finished arcane actually at the end of last year so it's been a little while or the beginning of this year january maybe but I just haven't had it. Just hasn't made its way under the menu to talk about. But I thought um, it'll go nicely with some of the things we're gonna talk about and and pair up in in some interesting ways with the Northman, which was recently released onto early streaming view. It's still in theaters in some places. Uh, I didn't get a chance to go see it in theaters because that's what happens when you have thirty kids and you're working to try and write and all this stuff. But <clears throat> so that is what lies ahead of us. Like I said, uh, check out Plus Five Charisma. Follow them on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook, and we're going to jump into it. So, Arcane. What is Arcane? Arcane is a show on Netflix. It is a, I guess it would be classified as a mini series. It's nine episodes, each divided into three episode chunks. So, sort of uh, a serial, I guess, at the. Uh, the first three kind of cover some of the main characters in childhood, then the second three are sort of midlife, and then the third three are up to the present of the story, if you will. Um, and it is awesome. Uh, I checked it out basically just because a while ago I was looking for something new to watch, and I know I had seen some buzz that some people really liked it. I didn't know anything about it. I knew it was a Netflix show. I knew it was based on the old League of Legends game, which I've never played or gotten into. 
and I I just liked the animation style. So uh, animation's a tricky thing for all my uh, fellow people that grew up in the 90s and then early 2000s. We had a it was kind of a, a great age of American animation. We had great animated movies, the the Prince of Egypt, you know, the Pixar was just getting its start as as we were growing up. And then you had a lot of really great animated TV shows as well. The Batman animated series and even the Superman animated series that came after that. Though Batman is, I think, the best. Um, arguably, those guys also did what I think is the best Batman movie, which is Batman Mask of the Phantasm. And you had the X-Men cartoon, which was big. The Spider-Man cartoon, which was pretty good. So I feel like I grew up in the age of really great cartoons, really great you know, Western cartoons. I know some people are into anime. That's not really my thing. But those stories of those characters, both the animation and the storytelling, done in a way that was really engaging and probably one of the overall contributing interests, uh, contributing influences, rather, to my interest in storytelling as I grew up. And even as I went and did other things, I still had that love for good stuff. I've always loved movies or, or good TV shows, that sort of media. Um, I like reading too, but that's always been uh, a big influence on me. And so I saw Arcane on Netflix and the animation style reminded me a lot of Into the Spider-Verse, which I watched when it came out with my kids and we all loved it. Uh, surprisingly, I'm not a huge Spider-Man fan. I like Spider-Man, but he he's not my favorite character or anything like that. But and particularly the Miles Morales, I've never read. It's been it's been years and years and years since I've read a brand new release comic book because I'm just not really thrilled with the direction that those big companies are going. I don't really, I don't pick up a comic book to be preached at or you know anything like that. It's not what I'm into. So, but um, but I thought that Into the Spider Verse was outstanding. Spider Verse, Into the Spider Verse was outstanding. And so I, I saw Arcane on there, similar animation style, sort of blending 3D and 2D and just gets this really cool stylized look. And so I was like, I don't know anything about League of Legends, but the episodes are about 45 minutes, I think. So I, was, uh, I put on the first one and I was hooked right away. I think I watched it in, in two or three days, which is especially for me having all these children running around here is really fast. Um, when they were going to bed, I was watching Arcane. Uh, so I should say, if you're listening to this and, and you're like, oh, a cartoon, Arcane is not for children. <laughs> um, there's a few, there's nothing too gratuitous. I think there is one, uh, so we say love scene, but it's not graphic, but there's enough stuff in it that my oldest is about to turn 11. I probably wouldn't let her watch it. And to maybe at least another year or two, if that gives you sort of a frame of reference. There's just, there's some, and it deals with really complex issues. So that's the other thing. Uh, I think she would understand most of it. I let, you know, I watched Lord of the Rings with my oldest three kids, the movies, and they got it. They totally got it. They loved it. Uh, they didn't like Gollum, but, you know, other than that, they're good. We've also, uh, we watched the new Dune movie. The older three and I, and they all got it. They actually really liked it. I was surprised because that's a little bit of a slower paced 
film. But I, there's some stuff in this that just... It, the thing is, it's really grim dark. It's really gritty. So the setup is that you've got these two cities. I won't spoil anything in case you guys want to go check it out because I, I highly recommend it, even though I know Netflix is bleeding subscribers and viewers right now. Um, you've got two cities... Uh, there's this uh, sort of utopia, Piltover, which is on top, and then uh, uh, Zon is the undercity, kind of right underneath it. And there's a very clear class distinction. It's very steampunk fantasy and setup, so there's sort of a blend of magic and steampunky science. And um, there's actually a huge cast of characters, which I guess is, is probably from the video game as well. That there's this huge cast of characters, but um, the the main two are two sisters, uh, Vi and uh, Jinx, who well, Powder first, and then she changed her name. Who in the first series, the first three episodes, that first chunk are, um, I'd say Vi is is probably like a, a, a young teenager. I don't remember if they say how old she is. And Powder is like 9 or 10 maybe. And then it jumps forward in time to the middle section. And then Powder is like 16 maybe. And Vi is uh, early 20s I think. Um, or you know, 18, 19, 20 somewhere around there. And so the premise is just you've got all these cast of characters and the two of them grow up under in this sort of lower city crime family but they're they're sort of criminals but you're you know they've got hearts of gold they have well well intentions and <clears throat> you follow them as these things go on so man there's so much to talk about in this show and i'm going to try really hard not to give any spoilers even though it's been out for a while but i i really it surprised me and i didn't really know so i hope that if you see this and that piques your interest you, you check it out um, the first thing we'll, we'll talk about the technical stuff first. So, all the voice acting is outstanding. The yeah, I don't really have too much else to say about it other than that. All the voice acting is outstanding. The animation, like I said, it's a really striking combination of two D and three D, and the even in the action scenes, the action scenes are awesome. They're very fluid fast-paced well choreographed and there's little details that you can tell that these guys that did this really took their time and tried to figure out or, or tried to go above and beyond normal animation so for example vi is really a boxer she um she uses at one point she uses these sort of big metal gauntlets that fit over her fist and later she uses sort of maybe some magical technolo technological powered kind of gauntlets that are super oversized but cool looking. And But she's a boxer and so you can tell, I mean, her, her boxing is really fluid. You see her training at some point, empty hands, and her combinations are really good and solid. In addition... Um, you see things that you don't often see. So like in a lot of animations or superhero animations or whatever, it's very simple, the choreography, because especially if you're targeting kids, you, you know, you don't, kids aren't necessarily looking for that. So you might have these big wind up punches, boom, bang, and back and forth. 
the choreography, especially in, in these fight scenes and action sequences, is, is great. It's on par with any modern film that you would expect. Um, there's certain certain beats. Again, I'm ah, all right. There, there are certain beats. There's one fight where, where somebody throws a, a straight punch at Vi, and she actually slips it to the outside so the punch is coming in, but she still catches the uppercut underneath of the person's outstretched arm and hits them in the chin. like Stuff like that, the way that she shrugs and moves. And also, especially using big fist gauntlets or, or you know gloves or whatever, she gets tired. And so you see, like at the beginning of the fight, her form will be really crisp really clean but as as it goes on she'll get a little sloppier she'll take more hits or or throw a bit wider shots all that stuff was great there's all sorts of stuff like that throughout the thing throughout the show even little details like somebody shouldering a rifle and then they don't just bring it up and shoot shouldering it and then sort of readjusting getting the stock right into the shoulder just very little details that you might not notice if you're not big into martial arts and and stuff like that like like uh, I am but even I think subconsciously it just lends a level of realism little things like that sprinkled throughout really make action and the world seem seem real so animation is top notch voice acting the story which really centers around a group of people in the upper city and a group of people on the lower city and does a very similar thing that Game of Thrones in the early seasons did really well and you've seen with some other shows where you have a wide cast of characters and even your good guys are flawed and your bad guys are not just evil masterminds. They actually have reasonable and sympathetic goals the show just does a great job uh, i don't want to i don't want to go too into it there's a character silco who sort of runs the gangs down below and starts off thinking in the first episode or two you're like oh this guy's a cartoon but as more and more things go on you're like oh no he he is a, a three-dimensional character i don't think that really any of the characters are flat and that's really impressive especially with a wide variety of different types of characters there are certainly story arcs that are not completed right or not don't have a uh, the arc isn't complete yet but they've already announced season two which is going to be released sometime probably next year and so you know it's tv i'm not going to give them a hard time for not wrapping up every single person's arc they do a good job of blending they do a good job of making you care about all of the characters and it's it's interesting. I think this is the dilemma for me as a as a writer, and I love classic fantasy, but sometimes it can be hard. On the one hand, sometimes you want to write something different if you're talking about classic fantasy, because you don't just want to be a, a Lord of the Rings ripoff, right? You you don't want to be just another Tolkien impersonator. But you also sometimes you can do some really weird stuff and go too far, and it just strains the credibility or or I just can't get into it if I'm trying to read it or watch it because I'm like this is too different too weird this does a really good line it's a it's a sort of steampunk world there's weird technology there's people experimenting with with trying to mix magic and science and 
But there are other things that, even though they're presented in a different way, do feel very classic fantasy. So uh, the split between the cities that you'd have this sort of uh, like the wizard essentially or science council up on I forget what they're called but the council of wise people up on top then you've got the sort of the CD crime organizations below some of which are really just trying to survive some of which maybe want to take over the upper city or deal deal with the upper city or make a mark all that stuff is is really great and the story was really compelling uh, the main story, like I said, follows the two sisters. Vi is probably the main character, although there's several that really fall into that. Uh, Jace, who's a young scholar up on the top city, is is, is an important character. You've got uh, Victor, who's his kind of unofficial research partner. You have Kate, right? Kate, who's a uh, essentially a cop up top but ends up getting dragged in very naive but skilled marks markswoman marks person marksman um and very idealistic and and despite differences in approach gets along and maybe has romantic interest with vi you have like i said silco the crime boss down below there's just all these different characters that are really great and this is the biggest strength I think of the show is that the characters are all really well done there has been a push in a lot of modern film and TV to have a certain amount of you know a certain diverse cast right so we have to have so many people of this or ethnicity or race or this represented group or we have to have, uh, if we have a male character, we have to have an equal female character. <coughs> this show doesn't really worry about any of that. The characters are who the characters are. So your main character is a tough, well-rounded woman. And it totally works because they don't bother forcing that on you. And you have a diverse cast in that when you have such a wide cast of characters, I think it's easier in some ways because maybe you don't feel so much pressure to try and represent every little group and this and that. You just, all right, well, we've got Vi and we've got Jinx and they're the core, but then we have this character over here, we have this character over here. And so I think that in that regard, there's just not as much pressure to maybe fulfill certain quotas. Um, and what I mean is, well, you know, we can't have, like, let's say we have some. Hello? No, I'm, I'm filming. <laughs> no, no, I'll call you back later. I, uh, I love you too. What was I saying? Oh, right. Uh, you don't feel so much pressure. So let's say that, you know, I don't care about this at all, but I think some people are complaining about this and this sort of representation in the media, and I think that it's totally accurate. Let's say that, you're, you know, it's very rare, say, to have a story with a male protagonist and a female antagonist, and there's no other females, like prominent female characters in the story. 
and I would wager that a lot of that is because, well, we can't only have a bad guy that's a woman. We have to have other woman characters. When you have a diverse and large spread out swath of characters, I think that probably frees you from any of those considerations because you're like, well, we got this evil woman over here, but we got this good woman over here. We have this evil guy here, but then we have this good guy here. You know, this guy's kind of a jerk, but this guy's nice. And so you're able to explore without worrying about, am I offending anybody? Um, now, I would argue that you shouldn't care about that anyway. You're creating art. And if the story is what the story is, then that's what the story is. But I uh, I enjoyed the fact, it was the first time in a, in a while that I watched something new that had a really fleshed out, really, really well-rounded cast, particularly some really great female characters. And a lot of the stuff we've been getting in the mainstream over the past five to ten years as far as female characters has been pretty rough. I mean, Wonder Woman 1984 was abysmal in her characterization. And, you know, Ray from the Star Wars sequels was lame. Captain Marvel that Disney's convinced everyone loves but didn't on or off screen. So it was just really refreshing to actually get some solid female characters, solid characters in general. Female characters aren't the only ones that are suffering. I think all characterization in a lot of ways is suffering. Whenever you try and put message before story, things are going to suffer and suck. But so overall, uh, it is very dark, very exciting, but I would highly recommend Arcane. I know some people have a weird thing about animation. I will tell you that this is an adult story, even though it's told in that medium. I think that's becoming more and more prevalent again. And I, it's cool. Hey, different kinds of storytelling is great. So the visual spectacle of something like Arcane would be really difficult to capture live action without an obscene budget because you're talking about all these sets and all that stuff that you don't have to worry about as much with animation. A plus from me. Uh, one of the few things that Netflix is doing that I actually like and I'm looking forward to. So, then we come to The Northman. Um, the Northman is the most recent release by Robert Eggers. For anybody that follows film, he did The, uh, the Witch and also The Lighthouse. I have seen The Witch and I really liked it. The Witch is a kind of puritan horror story about this family and that has anya taylor joy in it too i believe yes um who move out and they they lose a child and then there's maybe some witches in the woods which i mean it's way cooler than i'm describing it but really creepy really atmospheric explores the breakdown between this family and desires and everything um, I have not seen The Lighthouse. It's on my list. I know a lot of people really liked it. But Eggers seems to be really making a name for himself with these period... And, and The Northman isn't a horror movie, but these sort of period movies, deep themes. And I really wanted to see this when it came out. I like Alexander Skarsgård. And the cast is great. You're talking about Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, uh, Anya Taylor-Jor, Ethan Hawke, Willem Dafoe is a cameo. There's a few other people. And I'm a sucker for, obviously, anything that involves 
guys swinging swords around and killing other guys. Uh, it's an easy sell for me. I really was looking forward to it. I like Viking culture. I think Norse culture is really interesting. Um, I'm currently actually, it's funny because even before I was, I was currently started reading excerpts from different Norse sagas and mythology. And, but I didn't get a chance to go see it in theater, so I was pleased. I saw that they released it on early streaming. You still have to rent or buy it on Amazon, but totally worth it. I'm sad that I didn't get to go see it in theaters because the movie apparently was filmed on a budget from somewhere between 70 and 90 mil. And it only had a domestic opening, I think, of like 23. So it was a flop in theaters. Now, some of that is just because a certain virus has totally... A certain virus and streaming services have totally changed the atmosphere and I think that movie theaters are going to end up kind of being a, a niche thing but mostly a thing of the past it's just why a lot of people don't like the inconvenience of going out to a theater when they can sit and watch it on HBO Max or what have you I'm one of those people I used to love going to the movie theater but it is way more convenient to be able to get your large TV make yourself some popcorn and whatever and be able to pause it if you got to go to the bathroom you know it's just especially if you get a good sound setup so um, so this is, ba- and I'll avoid spoilers for this too, this is basically Viking Hamlet. Apparently, Hamlet was actually based upon this myth, um, the story of Prince Amleth, whose father is killed and as when he's a kid, when Amleth is a kid, and Amleth escapes and vows to take revenge upon his uncle, who's killed his father and married his mother. And so... Classic story, obviously, Lion King, you know, Hamlet, and, but this, uh, what can I say, I, I love this movie, I, I actually, it's the first time in a while that I've watched the movie and just come away being like, ah, uh, that was a film, like, and I enjoyed it a great deal. Um, cinematography is absolutely stunning, beautiful, Eggers is a really talented writer and director, and um, has an eye for that his movies all have these very distinct looks um and actually i should give credit where credit is due i guess to the cinematographer jaron blaschke hopefully i'm pronouncing that right um awesome uh from my understanding from behind the scenes thing they actually did a lot of single camera shooting and so they would meticulously plan out these action sequences and 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 battles and then just film it on one camera and really stay those sort of one-take shots or uh, one-shot takes, rather, where you're just it feels like you're just with the, the actor in the camera. Um, <clears throat> all the actors are great. you got a great cast. The story is simple, and, but actually includes a, far, a fair bit more mysticism than I anticipated. So there are lots of things where you end up thinking, oh, did that really happen? Is he just hallucinating? Is this person just imagining this? So, you know, people get wounded and are kind of feverish and see things, and you're like, well, did that happen? But there's some indication that it did. Um, some supernatural things going on, maybe even a monster or two, perchance, uh, that I loved. I love stuff like that where it really plays with the idea of people's perception and how we might interpret certain things to be supernatural or not. Because I think that's often um, that's often how those things go. You hear people talk about ghost stories, and it's, it's kind of questionable. You're like, oh, maybe I believe you. 
or even a lot of supernatural things regarding uh, faith are, are often, even if you believe them, it's very rare that God's voice booms out, right, and, and speaks to everybody. It's, it's often these subtle things that are profoundly impactful. And I thought that the Norse, the Northmen did a good job of including certain aspects of North mythology and, and that's the mysticism into the play. It's a uh, very well acted, even though at times there isn't a ton of dialogue. It's a lot communicated with looks or pauses, but everybody does a great job expressing that emotion. And it's a simple story, but it's one that we've all it's it's endured throughout the ages. I think for a reason because that that primal urge to right these wrongs and get revenge upon the the person that killed your father. Classic story trope. Uh, one difference between Amleth and Hamlet is that Hamlet is very much a passive man who has trouble taking action. Amleth is not that way. He is very action-oriented, and in that regard, it also shares a lot in common with something like the original Count of Monte Cristo novel. Um, the So it's shot well. The action is great. It is not an action movie, so if you're looking for battle after battle, this is not what it is. But when the violence happens, the violence happens. There And it is all very realistic. Apparently, Robert Eggers is a big proponent of being as historically accurate as possible, which I I really love as somebody that writes some things and, you know, historical fiction. And he uh, he does a good job. All the action is is great. It's not a lot of flash flashy sword swinging, twirling, spinning or anything like that. One of the things that I love, especially as a as a martial artist, is that Alexander Skarsgård often when he's fighting people his timing is just impeccable and so it's not something say like a swashbuckling film where the hero and the villain or the hero and the goons are going to duel back and forth until the no it's it's really uh, primal in that you know alexander skarsgård if he's got his axe he'll just wait until the other person goes to swing and then he'll just hit them first and so he'll fight these groups of guys and he just um, there's definitely some training, but you also get the sense that the character has just got this kind of natural animalistic tendency. He's a he's a berserker when we meet him first as an adult, sort of a combination between a bear and a wolf they describe him as, and he definitely looks and moves in that way. So I love the the action, all totally plausible and believable. And the last thing that I'll say about this, and then I'm going to tie it back to Arcane, is that the Northmen. These are characters of the time. So <laughs> there's a they, they don't try and update their sensibilities for a modern audience. This is a story about Vikings in a Viking culture. It's a story about a savage Viking seeking revenge. And even if we think that the revenge is justified, some of the stuff that he does is is ruthless and and totally brutal. But by the standards of the time, 100% justified. People of the time would have read that and been like, oh yeah. And that is something that I think is important, particularly when we're ex- when we're, we're making historical things. We don't need to update everything as far as giving 
these people from the you know 10th century the uh, sensibilities of a college student from 2022 it ends up giving it a very weak and unauthentic feel this movie really between the cinematography the writing and the story and the acting and all that really immerses you in that world for two hours which is what the point I think of visual storytelling is you're supposed to be immersed in it whether it's just Oh, I'm enjoying it, or in this case, really captivated by some of the, the imagery. And, you know, uh, without spoiling anything, there's a point where there's a there's a, a, a woman that tries to do something terrible to the, to the main character, and afterwards he's talking to another woman, and she's like, well, did you kill her? And he just looks at her with total disgust. He's like, I will not kill a woman. Which is, of course, something that if a character, you know, a modern character and something, it would be deemed sexist and all this stuff. But particularly at the time, that culture... Uh, that's just an example of how they they didn't compromise on how these people would have looked at any of this stuff, and even a lot of the savagery that's perpetrated upon other people would looked at as totally justified. I think Arcane does a similar thing. Not that it's historical fiction, so you're not they're not people of the times, but these characters you really get the sense they live in the world and they operate by the principles of that world. They're not concerned with, again, what some college student or some uh, professor of some kind of whatever uh, gender studies or what have you would think of these characters and how they should be unoffensive. The characters are the characters and they live in the world and they're not all perfect, but that's kind of the point because people aren't perfect. You know, if you were to look at the, the Northmen and look at the cast characters, even our, our protagonists in some regards are not great people, but that's what makes them compelling protagonists. And that's what makes them identifiable because we're not all great people. We've all got our own flaws. So I think both of them are strong examples, although very different in tone. They are also, they're both very grim and dark. The Northman is, is probably even grimmer and darker than Arcane and really unforgiving and bleak, but in a great way. Arcane has some more hope, uh, although I'd still classify it as, I don't know, along the lines of grimdark steampunk grimdark um in just because it's the kind of story where you can do everything right and still be punished which um as a sadistic writer i love some people that read my stuff particularly my wife hate it when i <laughs> kill characters or or have people do the right thing and then get punished but it that's also what gives it an air of believability even if it doesn't happen as much as it does in the show in real life, it still gives it that air that like sometimes things bad things just happen, and yeah, the characters did the right thing, but it didn't matter. Uh, or it mattered to them, but it didn't prevent them from meeting terrible consequences or fate. So, and the Northmen is similar in in certain regards as far as the grimness. There's not as much of that sense of oh, this guy did the right thing and he's punished anyway. But there is an inevitability to certain things in that story that you get the feeling, even if he, even the main character, Amleth, tried to change something or do something different, he's going to end up still suffering terribly. And so, yeah, those are my media recommendations for the week. We're kind of ignoring a lot of other things. Um, I, To be honest, I've stated this before, but a lot of the superhero stuff I'm just not really even looking at anymore. I went out on a limb and watched the Batman and was pretty disappointed. And now I see things like trailers for She-Hulk attorney at law. And I just am like, all right, they jumped the shark. So 
probably not going to be a ton of reviewing that kind of stuff in the near future on the channel. But stay tuned because we're starting a new segment. It's going to be short, under 10 minutes. Going to shoot for five or six minutes. The Sunday special where I do a review of uh, books, movies, TV shows, but much quicker than the long-form episodes that are up on Saturdays where we might talk about more themes and, and details of a production. The uh, Sunday special is just going to be 5 to 10. And um, yeah, we have our first one. It'll be up tomorrow about Scalagrim in the Vales of Pagarna by Stephen Babb, which was a novel that I finished last week. And uh, it was a good time. And yeah, uh, Plus 5 Charisma, we gave our shout out. Go check them out. Follow us on Facebook. Please like and subscribe. The video helps us build our numbers. The uh, If you're still interested in audio only, the audio for normal episodes premiering on Saturday will still be up. But we'd love to still get the subscribers and the likes on YouTube as well. And go ahead and uh, check out my books if you haven't. we got Crowns of Hebron still available through Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Uh, family-friendly comic miniseries by King David and Shadow of the Dreamer and Other Oddities, which is a novella and collection of short stories about Lance and Griffin, two characters. It's just pulp fun, just dumb fun, two guys fighting monsters, getting into crazy adventures. You know, sometimes we forget that entertainment can actually be entertaining. That's okay. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and we hope to see you tomorrow for the first episode of the Beggar's Cup Sunday special. Until then, have a good one.